0: you would rather we just sit on the sidelines of your life and watch you do your thing. And if and when you decide to invite us into it, you welcome us in. But otherwise, you just kind of want us to be on the side. And every bone in my body wanted to say, no, that's not true. Are you kidding me? That's not true. But the reality was, almost involuntarily, I was like, you know, I think you're right. And that led to a lot of changes that I'll talk about a little bit later in this message. But I just wanted to share that with you as kind of a backdrop for what we'll be talking about today. So we're going to read Luke 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And if we'll throw up that slide of people sitting at Jesus' feet. And I'm actually going to join you. So sometimes in the service, we'll we'll stand for the reading of God's Word. Today, I on purpose want to sit. And I'm going to join you out here. And I want us to just envision sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because this, and this is a posture I want us to, to be real used to. Like something we do multiple times daily. Because the Lord wants to meet with you. He wants to know you intimately. He wants to spend time with you daily. And as He does that, He wants to minister to you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Okay, so... I want you to envision being in a place where you meet with God, or if you're honest and you don't really meet with God these days, I want you to envision yourself being in a place that maybe you would like to meet with God as we read. okay, Listen to the words, but as we read, imagine you sitting at the feet of Jesus in a place where you would meet with God just like these folks are doing here. And this is Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. And it says this, As Jesus and His disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to Him. And you know, as you read the Word like this, just imagine God, this is God speaking His words to you right now as we read. And He wants to do this every day, speak to you through His Word. A woman named Martha opened her home to Him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. What a beautiful picture. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care, Lord? Interesting question. That my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And many of you have maybe heard that the Lord uses your name twice or says anything twice. If he repeats anything, he means it. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, would you speak to us through your word daily, and will we sit at your feet just like this? So I want to slowly work back through this again, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to those where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what He said. What an amazing picture. Do you do that? Can you say that that's true of you today? Do you take the time daily or even multiple times daily to sit at the Lord's feet and hear from Him? He loves you more than anyone will ever love you. He will father you better than any father ever will. Even if you have the world's greatest father, He fathers you better than that. He fathers you perfectly. He wants to have an incredible relationship with you. But do you take the time to sit with Him? Psalm 27.4, I love David, says this. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord. One thing. He could ask anything. And he asks one thing. And he says, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon His beauty and to seek Him in His temple. And later on in verse 8 it says, My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Is that true of you today? Unfortunately, on this day, it was not true of Martha. We go on to read throughout this passage, picking up again in 40, it says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Martha was distracted. And I ask you today do you feel distracted? Do you feel distracted? When you think about work, for example, are you worried about whether or not you're going to keep your job in this economy? Are you worried about what your boss thinks of you? Are you worried about what your coworkers think of you? Are you most concerned? Do you spend most of your time thinking about issues on your job? What about friendships? What about social status? Are you worried about whether or not your friends really like you? Are you worried about how popular you might be In certain circles, are you worried about your social studies? Are you you worried about what people's opinions might say is true of you? What about romantic relationships? Same thing. Do you you go from person to person looking to get worth and value and to get validated by members of the opposite sex? Because ultimately you're hoping that the deep desires of your heart will be met by a member of the opposite sex, or maybe there's a struggle with same-sex attraction. Do you go to these things looking for them to fill you up and to satisfy you? What about accomplishments and rewards? What if if it's like, Martha, you're concerned about having the perfect house, the perfect family, the perfect presentation of yourself to the world because it tells people that you've got it together? If you're distracted by any of these things, have you thought about why? Have you taken the time to let the Lord peel back the layers of the onion and think about why do I really do this? Because I guarantee you this, it's not just about keeping a clean house. It's not just about having a trophy wife or husband. It's not just about having the best job and being the highest paid. It's not just about that. That I can guarantee. If any of what I said is just true, let me assure you right now that only Jesus offers the peace that you're looking for. Only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Only Jesus will do. And I. this is coming from someone who learned the hard way. I can tell you story after story. I don't have time to do that. But I learned the hard way that only Jesus can do that. Isaiah 26.3 says, He will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trusting Jesus will keep you in perfect peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which Caden said, do not be anxious about, in everything, about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Run to Jesus for your, to get your deepest needs met. But the problem here for Martha, and so often for us, is that we strongly believe that things are better, are more important than God. We think that those things will give us the full life that Jesus was talking about in John 10.10. When he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have life to the full. The source of full life was sitting in Martha's living room, maybe. I don't know what room exactly he was in. But he's sitting in her house, and instead of sitting with him, she rushes off to do other things. Historically, if the, uh, the only thing that was fueling myself was this desire to get the needs met from other things besides Jesus. And it was, as a result, I was missing out on Him. I was missing out on the only thing that could do it for me. With Martha, it could have been people-pleasing that she was struggling with. I don't ultimately know. But it could have been that Martha was wanting to have the house prepared. Because in that day, that was the expectation. When someone's coming, the house is prepared. There's food on the table. You're a good host. So maybe she was concerned about that. Maybe she was more concerned about what people thought about her than about what God had to offer in that moment. How about you today? Are your distractions causing you to run to things other than Jesus? Continuing on in verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Isn't that an interesting question? Don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, He goes on to say in verse 41. Listen, it's tragic but sadly true and has been true of me in the past that when I run to things other than Jesus to find fulfillment and they don't work out for me, you know what I do? I turn around and blame God. It's been something that I've historically done. I get frustrated, I get angry, and then I ask, Lord, don't You care? Don't you care about what people think about me? Some of my biggest struggles were in ministry. I, I wanted to see people come to know Jesus. I wanted to see the kingdom of God advance. And so and so it was like, man, Lord, don't you care about your own kingdom? I'm out of here. I want to see people come to know you. I want to see uh, people freed from, from ultimately heading toward eternal separation from you. Don't you care about that, Lord? Ultimately, what was going on for me and for Martha is we had I had my own issues. And I was choosing to blame God rather than to sit and hear from him about what he had to say about the situation let me tell you that the lord most definitely cares no matter how hard the situation may get no matter how bleak your circumstances the lord definitely cares and there's scriptures all over in the bible that talk about how much he cares about every little detail of our lives every detail In fact, and check this out, He cares about us so much that He'll let the things that we run to disappoint us so that the pain of that will drive us to Him. That is ultimately love. If He just let the things that we run to satisfy us, that wouldn't truly be loving because He knows what's at the end of that road. But because He really cares, He lets the pain of those situations occur so that we can be driven back to him. So today I felt Lord uh, led by the Lord to do three things. Number 1, I want us to seriously consider a question. Number 2, assuming that the answer to that question might be yes for some of us, then I want to talk about reasons a couple of reasons why that the answer to that question is yes. What are some struggles we might be going through that are causing us to say yes to that question? And then three, I want to offer the solution. So the first question, and I asked it briefly just a few moments ago, and it's straight out of the story from verse 40 when Jesus says about Martha that she was distracted. Are you distracted, worried, and or upset about many things today? Are you distracted, worried, and or upset about many things today? I I really want us to think about it. In fact, I'm, I'm going to pray here just very briefly. And then I want to give you one minute of silence for all of us to think about what might be causing us to be distracted, worried, or upset. So Lord, would you bring it to mind now? As we sit here in your presence and you are moving, would you reveal to us anything that is keeping us distracted, that is causing us to run to things other than you? Maybe areas where we're looking to be fulfilled other than you. Would you reveal that to us now? Take a moment to write down anything that comes to mind. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's family. Maybe there's even frustrations you have with God Himself. All right. Well, keep that in mind as we continue to talk today. And let me suggest to you that ultimately, those things that have you distracted, worried, or upset are causing those feelings in you because there's ultimately a fear that is a level deeper that some deep desire of your heart may not be met. And if this thing or things that you thought about is consuming the majority of your thought life and hijacking your feelings, hijacking your mental state, it's most likely because you're looking for those things to satisfy deep desires of your heart and you're afraid that they won't. And by the way, I could tell you that if it's anything other than Jesus, they won't satisfy you. So I go back to the story of me holding Kirsten in the kitchen, and I'm frustrated. Ultimately, the Lord began a six-year process at that point in which He revealed to me that I basically, to use a term that's been used in our culture today, I basically had become a workaholic. But why had I become a workaholic? Because I wanted people to see me as worthy. I wanted people to see me as having some value. An image that came to mind for me as I was processing this was having about the worth and value of a paper plate. (laughs) It's about what I felt like. People use me not when they want to do nice things or or high-level things. They use me when they want to do something that's kind of cheap and easy, and then they just throw the plate out and they're done with it. That was how I felt. And so one of the ways that I sought to fight against that and prove to the world that that wasn't true was to work, 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 so that through the results of my work, I could prove to you that I had some value and some worth. And so that's what it was for me. And often, instead of sitting at the Lord's feet like Mary and getting my worth and value from Him, and letting Him set the record straight about the circumstances in my life, I thought I would find worth and value by working harder and just pushing, pushing, pushing. And meanwhile, leaving my amazing wife Toasted, just feeling totally toasted. And y'all, what is so often causing the distraction, the worry, and upsetness is three things that I want to point out. One is wrong or false thinking about who God is. So that's one wrong or false thinking about who God is, wrong or false thinking about who we are, who God says we are. And or where or how we think we are going to find the full life that Jesus wants for us. So wrong or false thinking about who God is, wrong or false thinking about who we are, or wrong or false thinking about how or where we're gonna find the full life that I've come that you may have life and have life to the full. And ultimately, when I ask that question, are you distracted, or upset, or worried? Ultimately, what I'm asking is, are you worried that the deepest desires of your hearts are not going to be met? Are you worried that the deepest desires of your hearts will not be met? Now, let me mention here that what's going on with Martha is, in a sense, God-given. And what I mean by this, by that, is this: she has desires that God gave her—desires to be loved, desires to be cared for. Desire, desire to have worth and value. Desire to play a significant role in, in, in her life or to have some sort of significance. Maybe it's a desire to belong. Maybe she was running around that house because she thought if someone came in here and saw how unprepared I was, people would not accept me. Maybe she wanted to belong. I don't ultimately know. But she had some God-given desires. The desires are not the problem. The problem, y'all, is when our desires become demand. There's a big difference. The problem is when our desires become demands. And that's the first problem. The second problem is that she was potentially believing, for Martha, was that she was potentially believing the lies of the enemy that were subtly whispering to her to look to the wrong things to get her desires met. So let me talk about desires becoming demands for a minute. Look at how Martha reacted in verse 40. Martha was distracted. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. That's a demand. (laughs) Tell her to help me. She could have done it very differently. If it was only a desire, she could could have thought, maybe I'll pray. I'm not going to demand that God comes through for me in this way that I really want Him to. I'm not going to demand that that Mary helps me. or Yeah, Mary helps me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and ask God for Him to recognize what's going on. Or I'm going to kindly ask Him, Lord, you know, I'm feeling stressed out. I'm feeling worried about what's going on here. I'm feeling like, like You might even be upset with me or disappointed. Can You help me in this situation? What would You have to say to me? But it wasn't that. That would be more desire. It was more demand, where she's like, tell Mary to help me. And by the way, don't you care? how demanding? There's, there's a lot of demand behind that question. Don't you care? Assuming that he doesn't. We want to be very careful about our desires becoming demands. Once our desires become demands, what we're basically saying to the Lord is this. I feel like you're not coming through for me. So I'm going to find life apart from you by demanding from other people or other things that they give it to me. I feel like you're not coming through for me, so I'm going to find life apart from you by demanding from other people or other things that they give it to me. I will get the life I want with or without you. At that point, if you're there, you've ventured into the enemy's territory, the place where he's wanted you all along. And the very life, that full life He wants to give you from John 10.10, that's when the enemy will have a real opportunity to destroy it. You'll lose it. It will be unrealized. You will not get that full life that Jesus is offering. And let me say as an important side note that this problem is at the core of many conflicts, by the way. Many conflicts. Are you having conflicts in your marriage? Could it be that your desires have become demands? You don't just desire that your wife or husband loves you. You are demanding that it happens. And you're manipulating him or her. And you're trying to control the situation. And with your actions or your words, you're trying to essentially twist them with your words to get them to do what you want. Conflicts with your kids. Conflicts with friends. And here's one that was really convicting for me. My anger at God was ultimately because my desires had become demands. I wanted certain results from my work. I wanted things to go the way that I wanted them to. I had a picture of what it would look like, and God wasn't allowing that picture to come true. So watch out for your desires becoming demands, because it's dangerous territory. Dangerous territory. The second struggle for Martha was that she was potentially believing the lies of the enemy, which were causing her to look to the wrong things to get her desires met. Jesus calls it out in, for, in verse 41. He says, you're worried and upset about many things. You're going to other things. You're running around the house trying to get all these things done, thinking that it's going to solve the problem for you, but Mary has chosen what is better. And so she's running to these other things. She had bought the enemy's lies that were telling her that by getting those things done it would result in the deepest desires of her heart being filled. The enemy wants us to run to everything else but him. Maybe for Martha, it was to be seen as significant instead of insignificant. And maybe you resonate with that. Maybe it was to be seen as a success instead of a failure. Maybe you resonate with that. Maybe it was to be wanted by the people who would see the state of her house and maybe decide, it's not worth knowing her. It's not worth hanging out with her. She's pathetic. Maybe you resonate with that. Maybe it was to be valuable instead of worthless, which I definitely have historically resonated with. What might it be for you today? If we are doing this, by the way, if we're running to things other than God, then unfortunately we're guilty of Jeremiah 2.13, which is one of, has become one of my favorite verses because the Lord uses, used it to convict me and get me to turn and run to him. But Jeremiah two thirteen says this, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me the spring of living water, and they've dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, we go to things thinking that they'll fill us up like a spring will. Only Jesus is the spring. Only he has constant a spring is self fed. It's a constant source of water. And only Jesus is that. Instead we go to other things thinking we'll get that from them. But Jesus is the one we need to be running to the entire time. So, what's the solution to our struggles? And I love this. The solution to our struggles, in short, y'all, is to go to Jesus and abide with Him. Dwell with Him. Get your desires met through Him. Get the full life that He offers through Him. Now, before I go into this a little bit, I just want to say three things that happen. Two, when we run to other things and they don't work. One is, we blame God. We see that in verse 40, right? Lord, don't you care? So we blame God. We blame others. Tell Mary to help me. Tell her to help me. It's her fault that, all this, that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Blame, I'm, I'm blaming Mary for the way that I'm feeling. And the third is, we often make agreements with the enemy that the lies that we're believing are true. And if we've done that, we need to renounce them and come to Him. So the solution. A few things I want to mention. One, I, w- I want to encourage you to repent and commit to carrying out acts of repentance. I'll give you an exact example of what that looked like in my life. That day in my kitchen, I was convicted. So I went and talked to some of my mentors about what Lori had said. And they all confirmed, yeah, that resonates with me. And so... They came alongside me, Lori came alongside me, and I prayed and I said, Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. I actually went to a, a retreat with a, a life coach counselor who was there, and he did an, the Lord just used him to do an amazing, begin an amazing work in my life. And what did it look like for me real practically? And this is where acts of repentance come in. If I felt like there was something that needed to get done, if I felt like there was a goal that needed to be accomplished, Yeah, I might work at it, but the first thing I would do is sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, is this even something you want me to pursue? Or is this something that I've dreamt up on my own, cooked up on my own? And if you do want me to pursue it, what does that look like? And by the way, Jesus, I don't need results to give me worth and value. I'm going to pursue this goal, and it's going to go however you want it to go. I'm going to give my best, but if you don't want it to go the way that I want it to go, I'm okay with that. Because I trust your will. I trust the way that you want to move in this situation. That was a very different approach for me, y'all. Because before that, if God didn't come through in the way that I wanted, I saw it as failure. And I couldn't fail. Because fail meant I was, if I failed, I was worthless. That could not happen. I did not want to allow that to happen. So being open to God and asking Him for His plans and His ideas were huge. So maybe today you need to repent and commit to carrying out acts of repentance which acts of repentance in short, y'all, is doing the opposite of what you've done before. (laughs) You do the opposite of what you've done. So for me, if I've been a workaholic, I stop that. I put boundaries on my work. I trust God for the results that He wants rather than demanding certain results that I want. Number two, run to Jesus instead of broken cisterns. Run to Jesus instead of broken cisterns. Spend time with Him daily and abide with Him. You know, y'all, people talk about the story of Mary and Martha pointing out the importance of dwelling with Jesus. I could have talked about that in the entire message. Dwelling with Jesus. What does it look like to daily spend time with God? What does it look like to get in His Word? And that's very true. We could have done that. And obviously we're going to talk about it for a little bit here. But one of the biggest benefits of spending time with Jesus is getting your needs and desires fully met. One of the biggest benefits of meeting with Jesus is having lies replaced with truth. One of the biggest benefits of of spending time with Jesus is experiencing the full life that only He can give you so that you don't have to be distracted, worried, or upset anymore. One of my favorite books on the importance of dwelling with Jesus is Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. And there's a great, great quote in this book. I'm going to read a few of them to you actually. Here's what it says. Most of us are not very good at sitting with longing and desire. Our own or someone else's. It feels tender. It feels vulnerable. It feels out of control. It is a place where one human being cannot fix or fill another, nor can we fix or fill ourselves. It is a place where only God will do. It's a place where only God will do. Do you have deep longings and desires of your heart? Do you want to be loved? Do you want to be significant? Do you want to be seen as smart or competent? Do you want any of these things? Only God will feel those. Only God will do in those longings. Don't let the vulnerability and the feeling of being out of control scare you. That's a great place to be. You get to lean on Jesus. You get to trust Him. And why not? He, so, he, he so can be trusted, y'all. He's worth trusting. I'll tell you who I don't trust, myself. <laughs> Apart from Jesus, I don't trust myself. With Jesus, I could trust myself a little bit more. But Jesus can be trusted with our longings and desires. Don't let the vulnerability scare you. Often we'll keep ourselves busy simply because we don't want to face our pain and fears. Busyness and workaholism can be a way of escape, ultimately. But if you're resonating with what I'm sharing today, I ask with compassion in my heart, from one struggler to another, aren't aren't you tired? I was tired. I was worn out. And I was tired of going to other things. And meanwhile, having Jesus sitting in the living room of my heart, wanting to hang out with me. And I was running off thinking that those things would do for me that only Jesus could do. If you're tired like I was, let's turn it around today. Let's go go to Jesus today. Instead of loving the things of the world or trying to get worth of value by getting your to-do list done, or getting all sorts of rewards and accolades, go to Jesus. I want to read you another quote from this book, verse forty, uh, or, um, about this idea, sorry. I love this quote. This is awesome. The fact is, there is nothing that we are doing that God could not raise up a stone in the field to do for Him. There's nothing that we are doing that God couldn't raise up a stone in the field to do for Him. The realization of this puts us in our true place. And by the way, in that true place, y'all, there's freedom. There's freedom. Though, lest we get too knocked down by such a realization of our insignificance, let me hasten to add that there is one thing that we alone can give God. And this is awesome. And that is our personal love. No one else can give God our personal love. This is our great significance. In fact... I can't even remember where I was the other day. But someone talked about, someone said, oh, you know who it was? It was my brother Brian Wetzel. I was with him the other day and he was talking to some of us and he said, you know what the, best, the most the important thing you can give yourself to in life is to be a lover of Jesus. Don't be known as the best engineer. I mean, that could be a bonus. It could be a bonus to be known as um, the best friend to somebody that anybody could ever have. All that stuff could be great. But make it your goal first and foremost to be known as being a lover of Jesus. How amazing would that be? To say, man, when I look at Stephanie, I see a lover of Jesus. How awesome would that be? I mean, I can rest well at night with that being true of me. So, be truly courageous. Do what is right despite fear or lack of desire. That's the definition of courageous, by the way. Do what is right despite fear or lack of desire. Go to Jesus Take the risk. Stop trying to do it on your own. Trust him. I'm going to read one last quote and close with this quote. It says this. When James and or I'm sorry. Um, Similarly, there are desires within us that work against the life of the spirit within us. Desires rooted in selfish ambition, pride, lust, fear self-protection, and many other unexamined motives. Examine your motives today, by the way, y'all. Examine your motives. What's really driving you? These desires lurk within all of us, and that is why giving any attention at all to desire feels like opening up Pandora's box. It might feel like that today. It might even feel a little bit like death. It might feel a little bit like you're dying. <laughs> Not literally dying, but like figurative death. You're opening up pandas. But it is even riskier to refuse to acknowledge what's real within us. Because whether we acknowledge them or not, these dynamics are at work wielding a subterranean power over us. Their power only gets stronger the longer we repress them. It's only going to get stronger. How much safer it is for ourselves and everyone else around us if we open up our desires in Jesus' presence and allow Him to help us sift through them. As disturbing as it is to be exposed in this way, sometimes it's exactly what we need. For then Jesus can gently strip away that which is false and destructive in our desire, and fan into flames those desires that are good and true. So Lord, as we move into responding in prayer, I pray, Lord, that if there's some here today that don't know You, that they would choose to give their lives to You today. And Lord, if there's some of us in here that uh, whether we know You or not and we're striving and we're distracted and we're worried and we're upset about many things like Martha was, Lord, I pray that we would turn from that today and choose to sit at Your feet and choose to dwell with You and choose to abide in You and choose You instead of those things. If there's ways that we need to repent today, would we do it? And I just pray that it would be more and more true of us that we would seek You with all of our hearts. And there would be one thing that we seek, and that's to dwell in Your house. And I pray these things, Lord, in Your name. Amen. We've been doing prayer stations. We're going to do it again today. If it resonates with you that you want to stop running to things other than Jesus, there's a healing and spiritual warfare station over here. A lot of times, spiritual warfare is is all in this, y'all. It's at work. The enemy's at work. So if you want to see, receive prayer and, and you just feel convicted even that you haven't been running to Jesus, that you've been running to other things, then go to that station. The prayer team will be there. They can pray for you. Another station we'll have is praying for the nations. We want to ask God to use living hope and use people in athletes, use believers all over the world to go to the ends of the earth. And we want to pray for our missionaries that are active in doing that. We're also going to pray over the wall of compassion for those that don't know Jesus. If you don't have a... A friend or a coworker or a family member that doesn't know Jesus, you could put their name on the wall and people pray for them constantly. And so you, you could go and pray for the names that are already on the wall or add a name and pray for them. If you would rather stay in your seat and respond by pray, praying that the Lord will give you a desire to sit at Jesus' feet, there will be verses on the screen flipping through, and you could pray through some of those verses. and then we will finish ultimately with worship. Okay so We'll enter in this time of prayer now and I just want to encourage you to use it to ask God to do work in you. verses are on the screen now if you want to pray through these and ask God to make them true of you.